0: All right. Tonight we continue our look at the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Hopefully, it will be helpful, beneficial uh, for those listening online for the Bible study exercise. Um, I said I think the curriculum. Let's see, I think the curriculum for this coming week. I think is the one that's a special focus. Or no, it, I believe it is. I'd have to look. Um, you can skip that one. Just focus on the the curriculum just for the doctrine of the Holy Spirit to look and read that. You can skip the special focus um, part of the curriculum because it's about Independence Day. And um, yeah, you can, I guess you can look at it if you want, but it has nothing to do with our current study. So just uh, focus on the ones about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And then obviously keep working on the topical method. And for us tonight... We go back to what we were working on this morning, which we are looking at the various ministries of the Holy Spirit. Which ones did we cover this morning? Number one, the ministry concerning the universe. Number two, the scriptures. And what three things have we talked about in regards to his ministry uh, to the scriptures? We've talked about revelation, inspiration, and illumination. Now, we haven't started looking at scriptures proving anything about revelation or inspiration or illumination yet, but we're trying to understand the concept. And now we did look at an article that gave some scriptures trying to prove their concept of illumination, and we called much of it into question. And the reason we called it into question is not because we don't want it to be true. Not that we don't desire it to be true. Not that probably everyone in this room believed it to be true at some point in their Christian life. But at some point, you just have to realize what you're claiming is not what you're actually experiencing. And what we're claiming would change the entire face of Christianity dramatically. Because, well, we would all be given the same information and come to the same conclusions. But we had to stop this morning. And because I said, uh, I said that there were some more scriptures that they were going to give. So I'm not going to go back to everything we've covered this morning. It's all there online. They, everybody can listen. Here we go. What is the Holy Spirit's illuminating work in believers? That's the question they're going to pose. What is the Holy Spirit's illuminating work in believers? Now, the question presupposes what? There is is an illuminating work of the Spirit inside believers. Okay, and you know I clearly call that into question for, for for I believe I believe good reason. Not, again, not because it's like, oh, you just hate the Holy Spirit. No. It's because if it was true, everything would be different. All right? So they're they're going to, to put this idea forward, and they're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1 to try to prove it. Yeah, we to uh, right? Well, I don't know. Uh, well, it, there shouldn't be anybody here if it was true, because you wouldn't need to be here, right? Okay? I mean... I mean you 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 would be getting illuminating and knowing and I mean wait, wait, there's so many questions that could come up with it but all right okay or you could argue that if the whole if the holy spirit was illuminating everybody everybody would be here because well we're preaching the truth right I mean that's that's uh, we could go all day we, there's so many different ways you could go on this but Ephesians chapter 1 is where they want us to go and I will acknowledge uh, some of the ones that they've given us I don't I think are not I think like Remember the one they gave us in the Gospel of John 14? That one just... I don't even know why anybody would even try to use that one. But Ephesians 1 does pose some problems. And I don't know if I have good answers here. But let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 1. We know Paul is doing what? Writing a letter to the church at? Ephesus. Ephesus. Okay. Now, here's what happened. Look at verse 15. What? what In verse 3 through 14... All right, well, let's do this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, what does he do in verses 1 through 2? You have the greeting. I think everyone can agree. All right? Now, you don't have to, I'm not asking for an outline here. I'm just asking you to look at verse 3 through 14. And basically, what is he trying to do in verses 3 through 14? What is he trying to do in those uh, verses? 3 through 14. You don't have to give it some clever title. Just a basic summary of what he's trying to do. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, he's kind of laying out salvation, redemption, right? Agreed? I mean, you've got predestination, you've got it all. Yeah, you've got, you've got, we're chosen, uh, predestinating, you've got the redemption. It's all about our salvation. Would you think that's a fair way of describing describing that? Alright? Um, and so that goes from 3 to 14. Okay? Now what happens starting in verse 15? What does he start doing in verse 15? He speaks speaks directly to those at Ephesus. Oh, there we go. Starting in verse 16, it seems to indicate that he's getting ready to transition into basically writing out a prayer or recording a prayer that he prays for them is how some people may understand this. Now, do, do we believe that holds true? Well, look at verse 17. Please note, see, uh, verse 16, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, there's prayer, okay? okay. Then, what does he start in verse is 17, the, the beginning of the recording of this prayer? Would everyone agree that that's correct, or does anyone disagree? Okay, what he's wanting for them, right. And in a sense, he's kind of giving his prayer for them, right? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, you can see why people like that, can't you? Do what? Wisdom and revelation. Now, wisdom is no problem, right? Wisdom is what? How do we typically define wisdom? The correct application of knowledge. So I'm praying that you have wisdom, that you'll take the knowledge that I've been preached to you and you will rightly apply it. Okay, that, we don't have any issue with that one. The ne- but the next one is the word revelation, where we, we'd have some issues, right? So, NIV, what does the NIV say there? All right, wisdom revelation. Okay, so that doesn't help. All right, so blue letter Bible app. Let's see what the Greek word is and see. I'm not saying there's an answer here, but we 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 start investigating every possibility to see what we do here. Because this one would be a verse a lot of people would run to. And I'm not telling you, I'm not even going to pretend that I have a good answer here. I just know that if if what is being talked about here is what a lot of people think is being talked about here, well, <laughs> things should be radically different. So let's go to this. All right, I'm going to... Close the Spreaker app really quick. Go to the Blue Letter Bible app. That's Ephesians chapter 1, correct? Verse 17. All right, here we go. The at the interlinear is this. Where is the Greek word here? Revelation. It is this Greek word, a new Greek word. You're going to all want to know it. Strong's G602. Apocalypse, Apocalypse. Okay. <laughs> yeah, good, good luck with that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, what is this? Uh, it's used 18 times, right? 12 times it's translated, Revelation, be revealed to lighten manifestation coming, appearing. All right. That's not, that's not super helpful, right? What is Strong's definition? Disclosure, appearing, coming, light, lighten, manifestation, be revealed, revelation. Hmm, that's not super helpful. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, right, which would go right into what a lot of people would, would say that is happening today. Now we have the outline of biblical usage laying bare making naked, a disclosure of truth, instruction concerning things before unknown. Oh, that really goes to to actual revelation. Used of events by which things or states or persons hitherto withdrawn from view are made visible to all. Manifestation, appearance. Wow. Okay, now, let's think this through. Paul's praying for the people at Ephesus, and he's praying that that the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him okay so that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him what do you, what do you, what what are some possible ways to understand this well what what we know we understand the wisdom, right? So a correct application of knowledge. But what does what this revelation seems to be connected to? What do you do, do? You think the text? Do you think textually that this revelation is there's a specific? Is there? It's restricted to something. Okay. All, right. All right, knowing Christ. Do, does everyone agree with that? I, I'm waiting for the Pope. I'm waiting for our Pope to answer, okay? I need a dogmatic... Okay, we're going to have the Council of Ovalo, okay? In 2022, and the, and the decree of the Council of Ovalo is that this is... About the of him. It's about the knowledge of him. So, he is praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto them at, at Ephesus the spirit of wisdom... And revelation in the knowledge of Him. That somehow there is wisdom and revelation about whom? Christ. Alright? Okay. Or you could say God or the Trinity. Alright? Now, OK, right. Now, all I'm saying is some people would read this as, OK, what Paul is saying is, all right, guys, I'm going to pray and then God's going to give you this revelation about Christ and you're going to know who Christ is. OK, right, or the spirit or the spirit's going to do this. All right. And I understand that that sounds very much like what a lot of Christians would say. And I, do, and I I'm, look, I'm going to be the first to acknowledge that I, I would I would love for this verse to mean whatever one appears to think that it means, right? So in other words, I see someone like Bobby. I'm like, okay, Bobby, I'm going to pray that the Spirit's going to open your eyes and give you revelation of God, all right? But again, first of all, they're saying, the article saying, this is what God does inside believers. So this would go beyond. Now remember, he's praying for those at Ephesus, Correct. So this would go beyond just giving them knowledge like they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This would be praying for some kind of knowledge or revelation that would go beyond just the saving knowledge because this is something that's supposed to be happening in the life of a believer. Correct? Now, I'm just going to throw a thought out. Okay? Paul is praying for them that they that the Spirit will give them this revelation and they are but what are they recipients of as a church? They're, they are uh, recipients of a letter written by an apostle under the inspiration of God. So, does that somehow fulfill this? I don't know. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I don't, I don't know what you do with this. The problem is the text doesn't explain enough to us. This is what the article does. This is what the article does. I'll, I'll, I'll let you listen to what they say, and you can say, okay, I can agree with that or disagree with this. This is what they say. What is the Holy Spirit's illuminating work in believers? Ephesians 1, 17 through 18 tells us that the Spirit gives wisdom and revelation concerning Jesus Christ. So they do restrict it to concerning Jesus Christ and opens the eyes of understanding so we can know God's purpose in our life. They just kind of jumped a little bit, didn't they? What does verse 18 say? Well, it says, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance and the saints. I, I, do you get purpose from that? I, I, I don't know. Maybe you could argue some there. All right, Maybe you could, maybe you could make an argument there. Right. So let's state it this way. There is no question that Paul, an apostle, prays specifically for the believers at Ephesus for those things. That is fact. Nobody can argue that fact. It's right there in the Bible. Correct? Now, what do I take from that as far as us? Well, here's what I I know. Here's what I know. You, uh, and, and I would just challenge anyone on this is a ba- this is just a basic test. And I think everyone would know exactly how this test would play out. Right. If you've been in church for any length of time, you know how this test would play out. You take two people. Right. One person sits in church and I just pray that you'll be given revelation. OK, I take, an, And there's another person in the church who reads and studies and studies and reads. Who do you think is going to come to a greater understanding and knowledge? I mean, that's just a fact. There's no way to get around that. So then you would say, okay, okay, well, you pray, but God's going to give them a revelation and knowledge through Scripture. Okay, is God not going to give that revelation and knowledge through Scripture unless you pray? Or is God going to give that revelation and knowledge through Scripture because, well, that's what Scripture is designed to do? So I, you, see, you see my problem here? Right? Because we take this as, here's what you have to do. You pray, you, you know, all you have to do is the Holy, I mean, the way they're taking it, the Holy Spirit's there, and this is His work in every believer to give us this greater understanding and to give us this greater knowledge. Well, let me I just, I mean, this is some important questions. If that is the case, then why in 2,000 years of church history we've had so many, de- remember all the Christological uh Fights that happened over the nature of Christ, the fight over the hypostatic union. We've had some. So then so then guess what you start doing? Well, then that person wasn't saved. Then you start that whole thing that everyone was saved. But of course, you you're saved. And of course, you have the Holy Spirit. I I don't know how to process this. I really don't. I know this. I can you know, I can process it in this way. It's a historical fact that Paul prayed for the people at Ephesus. I I can I can I can I can absolutely say that with dogmatic certainty because it's right here. I do know that they had an apostle writing to them, and I do know they were the recipients of the inspired word of God, and I do know apostles were around giving information and revelation. I do know that. What to do? Let's see where else they go with this. All right. So you can just put Ephesians 1, 17 through 18 and see what you want to do with it. But we'll, we'll, we'll have to think about it some more. Here we go. They jumped to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Oh, they, 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 they just wanted 17 and 18 because they just wanted this, the idea of revelation, that idea of knowledge. That, that's what they wanted to focus on. Okay. But so 2 Corinthians. Now what happens here? Ephesians 1, 17-18, I will acknowledge, places some problem on my position. I will acknowledge that. But my thing is, even though it may cause me problems, I don't know how that practically plays out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, in any meaningful way. All right? Now, go to, uh, I'm sorry, I said 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, I apologize. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, all right? What does he say to them starting in verse 10? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And then they read verse 13, or or they cite verse 13, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. All right, now, a couple of things we got to establish, we know who's talking, who's talking? Paul. Now, who is Paul speaking of? I think you're right. I think he's, this is somehow a reference to the apostles, right? To himself and the apostles. And what does he want the Corinthians to know? certain things have been revealed unto them, and we don't have any problems with that, right? Because Paul's writing what here? An inspired letter. Paul, what? Things were revealed to Paul, right? Remember, he was taught by Christ, right? Remember, he was off in the desert. He was he, So, Paul, and Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus, right? Yes? Okay, so, clearly, Paul was revealed. So, let's go through this again and read it that way, all right? but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit for the spirit searcheth all things yea the deeper things i think that's referring to the apostles paul and the apostles for what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him even the so the things of god knoweth no man even so the things of god knoweth no man but the spirit of god now we receive not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of god that that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, we, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Okay, I think that's referencing to the apostles and how God was revealing things to the apostles and Paul is now speaking with apostolic authority to the church at Corinth. Now, what a lot of people will go to is run to that verse uh, 13, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And then they say, first of all, they try to derive a hermeneutic from that and going, this teaches you that compare Scripture with Scripture. But, okay, if you can try to derive that uh, that concept from there. But they focus on the fact that the Holy Spirit does the teaching. Now again, if the Holy Spirit's the one doing our, the teaching, what should be the end result for every believer? Same teaching, same truth, same doctrine. We have the same teacher, I mean, and it doesn't work that way. So, the Holy Spirit, we do know, taught whom? The disciples. He led them into all truth. He revealed all truth to them, so that they could ultimately produce what? Scripture, which we know to be Infallible and errant, right? Inspired word of God. So, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, again, everyone will take that and want to apply it to us. Apply it to us. I would love to apply it to us. It preaches good if I apply it to us, right? But I can preach that all day. The Holy Spirit is teaching all of you. And then five minutes later, we're in a disagreement. And I'm like, so then what just happened? yeah well then we start pointing that people are not i mean that's where that's where it leads to it leads to that because you i see that all the time if someone believes something or said nobody with the spirit could believe that i'm like okay yeah but but what you believe is from the spirit what you believe it just becomes this it almost becomes an arrogant thing that i'm always right because i have the spirit and you're always wrong because obviously you don't and I, I, uh, I just have major issues here. All right. So that, that one's not a lot of help. They go on to say this. Now, immediately, they take this, 2nd, or 1 Corinthians two ten through 13, and they apply it to us. They say this. God has revealed his plans for us by his spirit who teaches us spiritual things. Yeah, I don't think it's about us. I think it's talking about Paul and the, and, and the disciples. But, um, but, but just, just, just listen to what they're claiming. God revealed his plan for you by his spirit. He did? D- do you know God? Now, that plan, I know. That plan, I know. But he revealed that plan to the disciples who wrote it down. He didn't reveal it to me, all other than through scripture. So, there, there, this, and then it says, who teaches us spiritual things. So, the, so, they're claiming the Holy Spirit's the one teaching you spiritual things. Again, I, 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 I want that to be true. But, well, we, we've talked about all the issues. They say the context here points to the word of God as that which has been revealed. Now, that I agree with. They say the context in 1 Corinthians 2 is that it's pointing to this as the thing that's been revealed. Well, that we got no problem with. But the us then would be the people who do what? Write the scriptures, not to us, us, but that us. Because did you write scripture? No. So it has to be those things were revealed to them who wrote scripture. The Spirit taught them because Paul talks about that the mystery was revealed to him, right? You to talk about maybe the mystery of the church? No. They didn't quote 14. Why? What, what's 14 say? Right. And which is what most Christians run to, to say, see, the natural man can't understand the Bible. Okay? Which, again, just becomes so, so problematic. But at least they acknowledge, this article at least acknowledge the thing that was revealed was this, was the Bible. And I got no problem with that. God revealed things to certain people and then through the process of inspiration took that revelation, put it in through inspiration to give me God's word and then God's word gives me the Spirit's quote-unquote plan and teaches me through this. Not some... Special supernatural work—it's through the the word and me reading it and studying it. So, right, yeah, nothing, no special something. All right, they they go on to say this: um, the Spirit of God will always point us to the Word of God for our instruction. Okay. This gets so confusing. So the Spirit of God is going to point me to his word for instruction. So then he's not the one doing the instructing. He would be the one pointing me to the, So this would be the instructing. So then he's not teaching me. The scriptures are teaching me. The scripture, the Spirit taught the original authors. And then that information comes here and then I learn it. So on one hand, they kind of get, the, no, the Holy Spirit's teaching you, and then they're like, no, 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 he, he points you to the Bible to be taught. Okay, well, right, let, let's see where else they go with this. This is, this is just hard to even follow, all right? As Jesus told his disciples, John 16, 12 through 15, the Spirit simply repeats what the Father and the Son had already said. The rep, this repetition helps us remember and fully hear what God has already told us. Sometimes we have to hear things several times before we actually hear them. This is where the Spirit comes in. So now that's now they're going back to the idea that the, the Holy Spirit keeps repeating things to us. Well, now that's not him giving me this. That's him now speaking apart from it. This This is all over the place. I don't even know how to even process this. I, I, here's here's going to be my the way I'm going to continue. Here's the process I'm going to give you, and if you can you can reject it all you want. Let me go through it again. God revealed things before the completion of the canon in so many different ways. Can we agree? Yes. All right. Then he revealed things specifically to specific people for the purpose of the Bible. Once that revelation, that illumination, and that teaching to those specific people was complete, when the Bible was complete, that revelation, that speaking, that illuminating ended. So today, what I have is a book produced by the work of the Spirit, by God, that is infallible, right? that is inerrant, but I, there's no, I don't get some special supernatural power I have to read it and study it. That's what I have to do. They go on to say this. One thing that is sometimes overlooked in this discussion of illumination is the purpose of it. To hear some arguments, it would seem that the whole purpose of illumination is an accurate and academic understanding of God's word. There is no question that God desires us to accurately understand what he has given us. Now, once again, they're leading us. So God's desire for illumination is that we accurately understand his word. Well, if that's the case, then why would anyone not accurately understand it? Right. Right. This is is just what drives me crazy because, again, it doesn't take a lot to prove this, right? How many churches in Abilene baptize babies? A lot. Just, just, Just take that one doctrine, right? How many don't? A lot. All claim to have the Holy Spirit. Well, if the Holy Spirit wants us to accurately understand the word, why would that not be one of the? Would that not be the easiest thing to fix? I mean, that that wouldn't even be controversial, would it? No, you got to baptize believers who believe. But then, not only that, you have got some who believe baptism is essential for regeneration, or that it's involved in regenerating. Others do not. Right. So, right, right, so, that could that not be fixed? I, and like, I'm not even getting into any controversial doctrines. I'm getting into something very basic to Christianity. Baptism. I mean, how basic can you get? That's pretty basic, yes? Now, if, if, if you're going to tell me that one of the purposes, now, they're getting ready to downplay that. But they at least acknowledge, well, of course, God wants you to accurately interpret his word. Well, my thing is, if he accurately wants us to interpret his word, and he's using some divine in, uh, intervention in order to do so, then we should all know it. So this, I, this just drives me, but they're going to down. I think they're getting ready to downplay. So let's see what that what they're going to say. All right. If, however, we stop there. We simply have an academic understanding of facts or philosophies which do not, which do no one any good. Now, I don't know why you would doubt. It's, it's not going to do any, anyone any good if all we have is an academic understanding of God's Word. I think it would do us a lot of good because we can stop arguing and fighting. <laughs> okay? Right? So, I don't know. It wouldn't do us any good. It would do a lot of good. There wouldn't be... There wouldn't be 9,000, oh, forget 9,000, 9 billion commentaries without 100 billion interpretations. There would be one commentary, one church, one doctrine, the end. I think that would be of great value. Okay? Church Christ thinks they're the only one. Catholics think they're the only one. Greek Orthodox, everyone thinks they're the only one. Here we go. Going back to Psalm 119. Yeah, Psalm 119. Well, I'm getting ready to, but I'd just like you to have it in front of you. Look at verse uh, 27. Okay. Okay. What what do you find in Psalm 119, verse 27? Okay, Um, this is how they quote this, but they they have verse 27 here, so I don't know, it's, okay, just, just look at verse 27 and tell me if you see this phrase. They said, going back to Psalm 119, we find purpose statements connected with the illumination verses. Then they quote, I will meditate on your wonders, verse twenty-seven. Does it say I will meditate on your wonders in verse twenty-seven? I will talk of thy wondrous works. Okay, NIV. Okay, to meditate. Okay, there we go. So, uh, verse twenty-seven. Next. wonders. Okay, so they just say, they just want to, they just give us here. So to meditate on your wonders, okay, all right. You think they would quote some of the rest of that verse, you would think, but okay, they, they leave that out. Then they quote this, I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Look at verse 34, Psalm 119, 34. Do you see that phrase? I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Okay, yeah, so, all right, so here, I I guess this is what they're saying. That when we get illumination, that the purpose of illumination is, number one, that we'll meditate on God's wonders. In other words, when he illuminates us, then we'll meditate on the wonders. Number two, if we'll get illumination, and the purpose of that illumination is that we'll keep the law and obey it with all of our heart. Alright, then they go on to say, look at verse 125. Do you read a a phrase that says something like this, that I may understand your statutes? Do you read a phrase like that in verse 125? Okay, that I may know your testimonies, may understand. So here's their claim, are you ready? God gives you illumination. When you get illumination, the purpose of it is that you can meditate on God's wonders. God gives you illumination so that you will obey the law with all your heart. God gives you illumination that you will understand his statutes. Verse 144. What does 144 say? All right, the idea, God, God gives you illumination so that you will live. This is their claim. The illumination always points to action. Why does God help you understand his word? So that you are able to live in its light. So in other words, God gives you illumination so that you will do these things. Now, the question is, if I get the illumination, do I automatically do these things? And if I don't do these things, does that mean I did not get the illumination? Right? Does illumination guarantee action? I think we would all agree that that's not the case. Right? Because even people who claim that the Spirit's teaching and leading them don't always obey and don't always do the things that we just mentioned. Correct? So it's not a guarantee. So (laughs) I don't know. I I don't even know how that's supposed to work. But okay. But note what they're getting ready to do here. This is very interesting. Go to 1 John. I know I get nervous when anyone goes to 1 John. All right, here we go. 1 John 1.6. Everybody read 1 John 1.6. 1 John 1.6. I know this is not fun study, but it's what we have to do. 1 John 1.6. Ooh, here we go. You go to First John. You know what they're getting ready to claim, right? Here's what they're getting ready to say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read their paraphrase, right? Here's their paraphrase. If we say we have been enlightened but still walk in the dark, we lie about understanding God's word. That's a massive claim. So in other words, if you walk in darkness, you have not been enlightened by the Holy Spirit. Which then, what's the next step? Just Follow the logic, okay? If you walk in darkness, now we've got to define what that means, but let's just say you walk in darkness, then you have not been enlightened by the Holy Spirit to understand God's Word. In other words, you're a liar about understanding God's Word. So what's the very next step? Possibly meaning you don't have the Holy Spirit. You're not saved. That, that, that's the logical progression of thought. And this is, you see this in the minds of so many. Look at that person. There's no way they can be saved. Look at that person. No way. They, look at that. No, can't be saved. Can't be saved. And they just on telling everyone they can't be saved. And in many cases, it's just because they believe something different than them. Well, based off what? Supposedly their enlightenment. But, but that person over there is claiming that they're enlightened and you don't know what you're talking about. So whose enlightenment is right? Okay, right. It becomes majorly problematic. But that's weird. That's just dangerous when you go there. They say this, the spirit of God who enlightens us to hear and understand God's word then takes that knowledge and guides us in living it. So not only does supposedly God gives me an understanding of it, he then guides me to live it. So if I'm not living it, then that means I don't have the Holy Spirit. Basically, you're saying you're not saved. So if you don't understand it and you're not living it, you're not saved. That's what it comes down to. Now, First of all, how much understanding do I have to have to prove that I have the Holy Spirit? These are, just, these are just good questions. So let's just ask the questions to this entire understand this whole thing, right? All right. The Spirit gives the illumination, right? And if I don't have enough enlightenment, enough understanding, then I, it's going to call into question that I don't have the Spirit. So then what would be the logical question? How much understanding must I have to prove I have the Holy Spirit? What if your understanding is a Pelagian view of man's sinful nature? And my view is an Augustinian one or a Reformed one. Do you not have enough understanding then to be saved? They would say, well, wait, wait, wait. You you can't have the Holy Spirit and come to the conclusion that man is totally depraved. No, 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 no. That's, That's a wrong way of thinking. The Pelagian view is right. And I'd be like, no, you can't. You have to believe in total depravity. And I'm like, no, you can't believe that God chose us and elected us. We chose God. And so whose whose understanding is right? Wait, there's people in Abilene who believe that baptizing a baby is the right understanding. I'm saying you're wrong. Is that enough understanding to still be saved? Because again, if the understanding is a direct result of the work of the Holy Spirit, what kind of understanding should we demand? Right. We're all in trouble because none of us would seem to have the right underst- in other words, I would argue that if understanding is proof of the Spirit illuminating me, then my, the proof would be a perfect understanding because it's the Spirit doing the illuminating. So therefore my understanding should be perfect. You see where this all, this all falls, just, I mean, people could argue with me, but I'm just like, it just proves that you don't have the Holy Spirit, right? You email me right now and go, I disagree. Well, great. You just proved to me you don't have the Holy Spirit because if you if you had the same Holy Spirit, you would be illuminated to the same conclusion that I'm standing here preaching. You see how, how this just becomes a circular argument that goes nowhere? So, so first of all, according to their formula... Spirit equals understanding because the Spirit illuminates. But it goes even more. Wait, there's more. Call now. The Spirit equals guiding you into living it. So not only are you going to know it, you're going to live it. Well, then what would be the next obvious question? How much of it do you have to live in order to prove that you have the Spirit? Because I guarantee you, nobody lives this even remotely close. You can claim all day that you do, but you don't. I'll give you one scripture. Love the Lord that God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. I guarantee you everyone has felt that multiple times this week, probably even today. Love your neighbor as yourself. Deny yourself. Die to yourself. I can go on and on and on and on and on and on. You you should say, woe is me. Well, wait a minute. The Holy Spirit's the one it's going to help you live it. Well, and that's what Christians have been claiming for 2,000 years. Oh, I've got the spirit. I, I, we follow God's law. And then every time you turn around, what do you see in your own life and the life of other people you know who claim to be Christians? Sin. This doesn't work. They go on to say this. Oh, that's it. That's basically the formula they ended up with. He illuminates, you have the spirit, he illuminates, therefore you understand. If you understand, then the spirit guides you into living it. So, what's the proof of the spirit? Understanding and living it. What's the proof that you don't have the spirit? Lack of understanding or lack of living it. That's, I'm going to, you know what I'm going to, you know what I'm going to say? No one believes that. I don't care what they claim, they don't believe that. Because if they believe that, at some point, their own, like they would have to go, man, for 10 years I believed this, and now I was wrong. How is that, I didn't have the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Well, right, yeah, that well, your joy wouldn't be full if you understand it the way they do. You're, you would be uh, in, in great panic. That, it, the, whole thing just, the whole thing just falls apart. The whole argument just falls in on itself. So, look, every other scripture they provided was, uh, did not prove anything. The best one they have is Ephesians 1. And I don't have a good argument for Ephesians 1. I, I'll be the first to admit I wish it would work, but as soon as I start going with their line of reasoning, where do I end up? If I have the Spirit, I'm going to understand the Scriptures accurately. And if I have the Spirit, I'm going to live it. Well, guess what? I, if that, we all, Christian, could you imagine what Christianity would look like if that was true? There would be complete understanding and pretty close to complete obedience. Exactly. Every church would be the same. You'd be, we, we could get a lectionary. Everyone could preach the exact same text every Sunday, and everyone would have the exact same interpretation. Every baptism would be the same. The Lord's Supper would be the same. Okay. Do, do what? We would be Catholic, right? Exactly, right? There would be like, this is, every, this is what everyone does, right? But it, it doesn't work that way. I wish it did. And when I, now when I po- point these obvious things out, everyone gets mad and they get defensive. And I know why people get defensive. They're like, no, 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 no. No, I'm telling you. Well, you tell me all day. But you just have to realize this minute you argue with me, you're making a claim that one that one that proves what i'm saying we both have a different opinion how is that possible and the only option you have is to claim that i don't have the holy spirit and my only option would be to claim you don't have the holy spirit so then where do we end up oh in different churches <laughs> that's where we end up not agree not and and probably claiming the other side is not saved It's just this whole theory doesn't work. So what is my theory? We can't go any further because we're out of time. What, I'm going to give you my theory once again. All right. Everybody ready? All right. Okay. Do what? On, on just this whole process, right? Okay. So we've got revelation, inspiration, and illumination. All right. This, this is how I think the process works. All right. Revelation. God was giving revelation in all kinds of different ways and different manners to different people all before the conclusion or the completion of the canon. We, can, we see that where in the Bible, right? We, revelation all kinds of different ways. He walked in the garden and talked to Adam and Eve. I don't see him doing that today. Agreed? Okay. He talked directly. He gave Abraham, the, the, he gave Joseph visions, dreams, direct speaking, I mean, he, he talked directly to Noah. We can go on and on and on and on. The burning bush with Moses. All the different way. I mean, he he spoke. I mean, Moses was taken up on the mountain and, and saw some kind of a visible manifestation of his presence. He dwelt in the Shekinah glory in the tabernacle. I mean, all those things are clearly not happening today. So when people say, no, no, no. God, when, I cannot stand when charismatics say, you just don't understand. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. No one said God changed. God's essence is always the same. But you can't tell me he still operates in the same way that he was in the garden when it, with Moses, with Noah. No, he's not operating that way. And if you think that, you're out of your mind, okay? That's just clearly. So, God gave revelation in all kinds of different ways to different people before the conclusion or the completion of the canon. Everybody say, can say amen to that? I hope so. People online may not be saying amen, but that's okay, all right? Then... He began to give specific revelation to specific people, who then, through the process of inspiration, that revelation became placed in a written form, which is the Bible. And we believe that written that written document, the Bible, is inspired by God and is infallible. It is perfect. It is preserved, it is the, it's the Word of God. And when that was complete, what happened? All revelation stopped. Inspiration stopped. What I, I love when charismatics say, "God's the same yesterday today and forever." I'm like, "Oh really, is he still inspiring Scripture?" And they will say, "No." Well. Ding, 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 ding. Does that give you a clue? Okay, guess what? Not only is he not inspiring scripture, he's not giving any more revelation. Oh, and guess what else he's not doing? He's not illuminating. The illuminating was back here and before the canon, because if he was illuminating, then once again, you create this fort. You see where you end up? What you say, no, he's illuminating, he's guiding us, he's 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 helping us understand, you're going to end up into the very formula that we just gave. If you have the spirit, then you're going to accurately understand God's word, and you're going to live it. If that was true, we would see it. It's not true, we don't see it. What, what, what does the evidence prove? That it's not happening. I mean, the evidence is overwhelming. even in your own life. Think back to things you believed when you first became a Christian. Think about what you believe today. Are they the same? No. So then what? Was the Spirit not illuminating you then, or is he not illuminating you now? One or the other. Again, I, I went from a Baptist to a Lutheran, back to Baptist. I went from non-reformed to reformed. I went from more awm mill to leaving the awm mill. Well, I went from a pre mill to an awm mill, almost back to a pre mill. I mean, I can go on and on and on. I went to not, not believing open communion was wrong to believing in complete closed communion. I mean, I can go, I mean, so many things have changed in my doctrinal journey. So if my previous understanding was wrong, well, then the Holy Spirit wasn't illuminating me then. Well, then why wasn't he illuminating me then? Are you saying I didn't have the spirit? So then I would have to claim I wasn't saved until I've come to this doctrinal conclusion. Now I'm saved. So if anyone wants to say, well, you commit, you committed sin in the past, I wasn't saved because I'm not saved till this very moment. Now I am saved because I believe what I'm teaching right now is true. So at this moment, on June, what's today? 25th, 26th? June 26, 2022, the pastor of Victory Baptist Church became saved. Finally, after all of this time. Now, if I change any doctrine in the future, then I'm not saved today. Okay. And, and people say, you're just, you're, that's a straw man argument. Is it? Because if the Holy Spirit's illuminating me, how could I have been wrong? If he's the one illuminating, is he the one guiding? Then I should be right. Unless we don't believe, right? Okay. Or, or, or you now you have to question the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I mean, it's, the whole thing falls apart. So, I, I that's my my belief is God gave revelation, He gave illumination, right? He gave inspiration. All of it stopped with the completion of Scripture. And what do I have today? I have all of God's revelation. Have got all of God's inspiration and have all of God's illumination contained in the pages of this. And then, what do I have to do? Work, read, study, work, using observation, interpretation, and application. And anyone disagrees, well, you're you're, you're falling. You're, it's, it's just, it's a meaningless debate to have. It's a meaningless debate because you're claiming I'm wrong. Well, I'm claiming that what I believe came from, God would have led me to this point. And you're saying, well, no, you're not listening to God. Well, you're listening to God. I mean, it's just, it's just, I, again, you tell me God's led you to that truth. I'll tell you God's led me to this truth. So then where do we end up? You know, it's just, it's just, it's just a meaningless argument that goes nowhere. All right. Now, let me make sure there's no comments because I don't want to see comments. Probably not good. Here we go. I'm just going to tell everyone that they're all wrong. And I'm right because I, got, I just got saved. Right? I've been illuminated. Finally. I'm finally on the right track until I study my Bible tomorrow. And then I'll probably be like, well, you know what, guys? I, I changed my mind. Okay. Okay. No comments. It's either a good thing or a bad thing. Okay? It's a bad thing because we probably just lost 200 subscribers. (laughs) Okay. Okay? People are like, unfollow, 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 unfollow. Okay? Well, I don't know why you're listening to me anyway. If the Holy Spirit's the one teaching you, you don't need to listen to me in the first place, right? Yes? I think that would be a good code. Any questions? Does everybody at least understand my perspective? And please note what I said. My perspective, I don't, I'm not tell, demanding you believe whatever you want. You can believe whatever you want. I'm not even here to try to argue about it. I'm just saying this is what I believe. God, all revelation, inspiration, and illumination ceased with the completion of Scripture. And now my job is to read it and try to understand it. And that revelation, the inspiration, all of it is right here. The people that wrote were illuminated. The people that wrote were led into all truth. The people who wrote were reminded of everything Jesus said, so they could give us an accurate read, an accurate account of what he said and did. Correct. That's what we believe. Yes. Okay. I wish that there was some supernatural ability that I that I had that could open it up and go, boom, this is what we're supposed to believe about baptism. This is what we're supposed to believe about eschatology, ecclesiology, pneumatology, soteriology, and every other ology. Problem is, 2,000 years church history shows there's nobody agrees on anything. And whenever I say that, people are like, that's not true, and I just start naming things. I'm like, where's the agreement? Where's the agreement? Because I don't see any. In fact, usually when people are telling me, oh, people agree on more, they're, they're emailing me to disagree with me. I'm like, so you're, you're emailing me to disagree with me to prove me how much we agree, <laughs> okay? Like that, that's, that's a, that seems like a bad way of arguing. All right, we'll stop there. Lord God, we come before you this evening. Lord, if we are wrong, we have complete confidence that your Holy Spirit will override our wrong understanding and can correct it because you're sovereign, you're God, that's easy to accomplish. However, if that work of the Spirit is not currently happening today, then our trying to figure out if we're right or wrong comes down to our dedication to continuing to study your word. So Lord, I pray that we would be, remain dedicated to continue to study your word And if we are wrong on this given Sunday, that we will discover our error and change it so that maybe by the next Sunday we'll be closer to the truth. We believe your word is truth. We believe it is inspired, accurate, true, and authoritative. Give us a desire to continue to read it and study it so that we can grow closer to the truth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. God's people said,